Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Baseline Banter. Pleasure to have you back for another week of talking IU baseball. My name is Jared Rigdon, one of the IU baseball beat reporters for the IDS, and today I'm joined by IUS TV baseball reporter Matt Cohen. Matt, pleasure to have you on. How's it going? It's going great. I uh, apologize that I can't be Stefan. Um, I know that must be kind of a downgrade to a lot of people, but glad to be here. Yeah, well, let's get to it. IU baseball uh, sits now at 11-8 and on the season after going 4-0 and this past weekend against Canisius. Uh, solid series sweep this past weekend after a rough start to spring break. I mean, they lost 2-3 or three in Washington, then dropped the midweek game to Cincinnati. Uh, but what are some of the things that you liked uh, this past weekend from the team against Canisius? I mean, I think the biggest thing is that they were finally resilient. Um, and they not, not, not in that they kind of fell behind in games and came back because they dominated all four games, but that they were coming off a three-game losing streak, especially against a bad team in Cincinnati. I think they're like 200 and something yeah, in RPI. Yeah, 200 RPI. Um, I mean, this, that's not a good baseball team. And to be able to come back after really an embarrassing loss where where Cal Kruger, for lack of a better term, imploded, um, and come back and just put up 51 runs over four games against Canisius, which, again, not a good baseball team, at least we think right now. Um, it just was impressive to me. But also I think the fact that they had the consistent of both good hitting and good pitching, which they haven't really had a lot of in, in individual games this season. Yeah, I think it was impressive that guys like Ryan Feynman uh, kind of started to figure things out offensively. Matt Lloyd, I mean, Ryan Feynman, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week this week, yeah, three home runs, one each day of the series. He had a lot of timely, really big hits. And there are a lot of guys, guys like Cole Barr as well, that are starting to figure things out at the plate. And I think maybe this is a, the kind of series that they needed just to uh, – get off the losing streak they were on and kind of break the bats out and start getting things rolling right before Big Ten play. Yeah, I mean, this is, again, they have um, they have one midweek game ahead of Big Ten play starting, but with Iowa coming in, which is probably one of the top, I, I want to say top team in the Big Ten, but more of an upper Definitely team. Definitely the top five. Yeah, like, a, like an upper half team in the Big Ten. So it's not like, it's it's not a cushion start to, the, to Big Ten play. Um, I think just having this kind of confidence going in, which they haven't played anywhere even close to as well as they played against Canisius at all this season. So just having kind of your best game going into what is the most important part of your season, I think, has to be so important to this team. Yeah, and we talked about the offense kind of breaking out. Like you mentioned, 51 runs in four games this weekend, and they weren't even in the last half of many games. They were just kind of out there to get the game over with because they were already up 12-1 after th- they were 11-1 after three innings on Sunday. I mean, if there was a mercy rule in college baseball, would have been put in effect in three of the four games this weekend. So, what do you think changed there offensively this weekend? I mean, it's easy to say like they just hit the ball more, yeah. but like that—that's kind of what happened. Um, it's they—they they had I don't remember the exact numbers of hits per game, but they—I mean, finished with fifty-three on the weekend. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, everyone was hitting the ball. Um, and it's, it's, it sounds like a stupid answer, but literally they were just hitting the ball better. And even, and even not just getting hits too. They also, there was a number of sacrifice plays that, um, that, that, that ended up working out. They also took advantage of a number of mistakes Canisius made. They made a number of errors throughout the season. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I didn't really watch, I didn't get to watch any game in person. Like I know you did on Sunday, mm-hmm. but just from watching the live stats, I mean, it just looked, I mean, sloppy at at best um and I, I think that they just did a good job taking advantage of that where typically in past games it'd be errors that IU may have made that other teams t- took advantage of it was the it was a reverse of that against Canisius I mean what impressed me most of all is that 
they weren't just hitting the ball. They were hitting the ball hard. I mean, that ball coming off the bat sounded different than it had in previous weeks. And they were taking advantage of runners in scoring position. They get the bases loaded, a grand slam. They get runners on second and third, a double to right field, drive those runners in. So they were getting timely hits when they needed to. And they weren't leaving runners in scoring position uh, after each inning. And they weren't letting... Canisius have any breathing room in those games. They were putting him away right there at the beginning, the first three, four innings. They were not letting this team come back, even if they would have been able to hit the ball, which they couldn't, especially yeah. on Sunday against Andrew Southrank, who was just yeah, dominant. Where did that come from? Yeah, that, that's another question <laughs> I had. Um, but, yeah, I think it was an overall solid performance um, this weekend from the offense. Uh, started to break off their, uh, their hitting woes that they had faced, mm-hmm. especially in Seattle. Uh, now we're going to head to uh, an adjusted version of my segment, Rigdon's Relay. Usually Stefan will toss it to me without Stefan this weekend. We'll split, up, we'll split up the uh, the duties. So Matt and I will give you two takeaways we had from this weekend uh, before we begin to look ahead of the Iowa series. Uh, Matt, go ahead and take it away. So I'm going to start with uh, with, with that uh, the struggling pitchers started to uh, just regain form or I guess come closer to what we had as, as expectations. And I'm talking more about uh, uh, Tanner Gordon and Andrew Saul, Frank here. Uh, those two, I think, combined for 24 strikeouts um, in their two respective outings. Uh, Gordon had 10, Solvrek had 14, um, but both of them did not have a good outing at all coming into that com- coming into the Kanisha series. Tanner Gordon struggled every time he was out. Andrew Solvrek struggled every time he was out. I don't think Tanner Gordon had gone longer than four innings this season. I'm pulling up the stats right now just to double check that. Um, but I mean, Andrew Solvrek struggled mightily against San Diego. Um, he had, yeah, he pitched against San Diego, three innings, uh, three runs, two of them earned on three hits, walked one, only had one strikeout over three innings. For a guy who is going to strike out a lot of batters in Andrew Solfrank, one strikeout over three innings is not exactly what you'd like to see. He's allowed, uh, in five outings this season, he's allowed, uh, oh God, math. Uh, seven runs, um, and hasn't and only has gone longer than three innings once, and that was against Canisius. Um, and Tanner Gordon has been generally similar, a little bigger of a sample size, which maybe is a little concerning. But as I, I was talking about on um, the the IUS TV podcast back in this back in this booth for second straight day, I'm getting a little getting a little too comfortable in here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was saying that Tanner Gordon has pitched against some really good teams. This yeah, he's kind of gotten the. Yeah, like the the, the, the the unlucky draw there yeah, on the, the weekend. He's gotten he's gotten UConn, Tennessee, and Oregon State this season. Three teams that have been ranked at some point in the year, and Oregon State has been ranked every week of the year. That's not easy. He only he won one of those games against UConn, but they gave up six runs in that game. Fortunately, the offense put up nine, and a grand slam certainly helped with that. But t- t- Tanner Gordon really. I don't think we've gotten a good judgment of where he is because he struggled, but he's done so against top-tier teams. Now, is that an issue? Because if he's struggling against top-tier teams, IU wants to compete with those top-tier teams. So can you trust him, do you think? I think he, I think he can at this point. I think he's still trying to—it's still an adjustment period. I mean, it's it's never easy to come in from Juco ball to, you know, to Big Ten baseball, but he's starting to figure things out. I mean, he's starting to get that command a little bit under control. We know he can throw hard. We know he can throw for strikes. It's just a matter of whether he can get that control— Get the velocity on it, get the control there, and he's just he's just figuring out everything. I mean, it's a whole new lifestyle. It's a whole new preparation for a game. It's a whole new bullpen session before a game. The week leading up to the game, it's different. And I think he's starting to figure things out. And against Canisius, we saw it when he went like eight innings, I believe. It uh, was. Let me pull that back up. It was. It was eight eight innings allowed, one run. It was an earned run on four hits, uh, one walk, struck out ten, which is, I mean, by far his best. That's outing. definitely the performance <laughs> that. I think Jeff Mercer knew that he could get out yeah. of 
Gordon heading into the year, and that's why he's the number two guy and has been the whole year. Yeah. And he hasn't even strayed away from making right. taking him out of that spot. So Mercer's got all the confidence in the world in a guy like Gordon. And I think as we get into Big Ten play, we're going to start to see even more solid performances from him. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're exactly right there because if you look at his stats here, he's uh, each of his four outings heading into the Kanisha series were either four innings or four and a third innings, and he allowed um, in order. So he he allowed one run against Memphis, five against Tennessee, three against UConn, and five more against Oregon State. And you thought you think maybe as a manager, like oh well, he's struggling, he's you know not really getting a lot of outs. He was a guy that was known for his strikeout numbers at Johnny Logan. He was was he Johnny Logan College? Or am I getting that backwards? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Um, so he he was known for his strikeout numbers there, and he hadn't produced that at IU. But Mercer could have easily put in someone in that spot. He could have um, just throwing out names here: Alex Franklin, Gabe Bierman. Could have got you. Could have I guess you could have pushed up Tommy Sumner when he was healthy to the Saturday spot and put someone in that Sunday role. But he never did that. He stuck with this guy because he knew he was good. And the stuff, the stuff's there. It's uh, there's not really a difference between you know, I guess being a pitcher like at Johnny Logan College and and, and Indiana. The stuff is the same in either school. It's just getting that stuff to work against Division One hitters. And you just got to and that takes times. And I that takes time. And he may have finally found that against Canisius plays Iowa this weekend I guess I'm assuming he's gonna start at the Saturday game as he has been he, all season yeah he will I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't um unless they did they put out I don't think they put out the staff for the weekend uh, but Mercer we, we, he talked about it after Sunday's game he game. said that the rotation is gonna pretty much be the same yeah. especially with summer yeah out right I, I think there's no re- I don't think there's any reason to change it um and you come in probably with a quality start from Paulie Milto on Friday I would assume you win that game because Paulie Milto is pitching, and you come into Saturday with momentum, and Tanner Gordon gets a chance to go against the Big Ten team, which is going to be his best chance to show. Well, was the Canisius the real Tanner Gordon, or was Canisius, or did, did those numbers come from Canisius being not a good baseball team? I think that's definitely something that that we're gonna have to watch for, and mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see. All right, Jared, what what was your first takeaway from the weekend? Uh, I'm gonna th- I'm gonna take your job a bit here. All right. Uh, well, I mean, we all know that Matt Gorski can hit the ball, but we were I think a lot of fans and a lot of people were waiting to see the other veteran guys on IU's team kind of put their bats out there and step step into the lineup and show them what the what they've done in the past. I mean, uh, Logan Kalitha has been out in the past uh, less than a week, but he's still been out for a while now. So Ryan Feynman and Matt Lloyd stepping up this weekend was huge. Like I mentioned, Feynman, uh, Offensive Player of the Week for the Big Ten. I don't even think that was a close vote because yeah. he dominated this weekend. Three home runs, nine RBIs, I believe. Yep. Uh, I mean, I, he was just cranking balls, and they moved him up into that, that cleanup role, especially on Sunday uh, without Kalitha. I mean, he was fantastic. Matt Lloyd on Sunday kind of struggled to hit the off-speed curveballs that were going about 60 miles per hour. <laughs> kind of looked like you or I was out there throwing, <laughs> but um, but Matt Lloyd has started to figure things out too, and I think we all knew he would. It was just a matter of when that was going to happen. And so now with Gorski, Feynman, Lloyd at the top of your lineup being able to all hit the ball, that does wonders for your offense, and it does wonders for Jeff Mercer's trust with his team. If he can know that he has his three most veteran guys out there right now that are able to hit the ball, that that shows guys like Cole Barr and Grant Richardson and Sam Crail, hey, man, if you're if they're hitting the ball, you're going to have to start hitting the ball, and then all of a sudden the whole lineup is hitting the ball. And then the other thing, like I mentioned, the youth on this team is starting to show out too. I mean, Grant Richardson gets five starts last week in place of Kalitha and Elijah Dunham. His first at-bat last Wednesday hits an RBI. His three at-bats later, a double to the right field, and then he finishes 7-for-19, a home run, two doubles, and six RBIs on the week in his first career appearance. 
So, I mean, that was pretty impressive. And Alex Franklin has started to settle into maybe a midweek guy type slash long reliever type guy as a freshman. Cole Barr is absolutely hitting the height off the ball right now. It's really impressive to watch that. Uh, so the youth on this team is starting to step up as as at the same time that the veterans are starting to show up, which I think is going to start to do amazing things for IU's offense going forward, heading into the Big Ten season. Yeah, I mean, I saw at the Fall World Series, which I, for some reason, went to all three games for, um, we saw basically the freshmen get a lot of playing time, especially Grant Richardson. I believe Richardson started all three games in the Fall World Series. He 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 hit a home run there. And my thought coming coming out of that weekend was he was going to be a guy that was going to be a huge. It was going to be a huge part of the team this season. Maybe not starting, but was you know going to come in as a, as a pinch hitter, start some like you know maybe start a Saturday game to give someone a day off or a midweek game to give someone mm-hmm. a, a a day off. Maybe, maybe situations with with Kalitha's status, which I don't exactly know where he is right now, but with with a situation like that, he's gotten the chance to come in and take a starting role, and he's done a great job with that. And at this point, with wherever Kalitha is. I mean, can you take Richardson out of the lineup right now? I mean, he's just he's playing so well. I think it's going to be something to monitor. They did bring Elijah Dunham back, who had mm-hmm. missed every game except one this season. Mm-hmm. They gave him an at-bat on Sunday. Who knows if he stole all the way back. There's no really timetable on Kalisa. Mercer didn't really say much about him or Tommy Sumner in, in terms of when they're going to come back. But right now, I wouldn't move Grant Richardson unless he starts to struggle. And really, the way he's been hitting and his composure and the way he brings himself to practice each day, brings himself to the cages. I watched him in high school. This kid can rake. It doesn't matter who's pitching. And I think against a team like Iowa, maybe you stick him out there three games, see what he does against Big Ten-level competition. You're not facing elite-level Minnesota pitchers, but you're getting solid top-level Iowa Big Ten caliber pitchers. Maybe you toss him out there, see what he can do against Iowa compared to Canisius. Difference level, there's a difference level in talent, but still a solid team that maybe you get him a couple at bats against. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's my biggest. That may be my biggest takeaway from the weekend is that how much of this is real because it's Canisius and yeah. based on RPI, they're not the best team that Indiana's played. But also based on RPI, Indiana State is the sixth best team in the country. So there's there's some give and take with the RPI, especially it's only been out for two days now this season, um, as at, at the time at least of us recording this podcast. Um, but I, th- I think Richardson's a guy that's going to be playing a huge role, whether or not it's you know starting while Kalitha's out, and even if Kalitha is suddenly just ready to go tonight, which is well against Indiana State um, on Tuesday. Um, I mean, even if that suddenly happened, I don't think you start him over Richardson right now, especially because Kalitha anyway hadn't been playing all that well. He's I mean he's hitting 196. He obviously he's a guy who's going to have a bigger role in this team than Grant than Grant Richardson is this season. I mean it's Logan Kalitha. He was a huge part last season. He'll be a huge part this season. I'm yeah. not saying like start Grant Richardson over Kalitha long term, but you got to get Richardson some opportunities and I think he may be one of the more prom- promising freshman hitters right now. But I mean I think the freshman pitchers have been just as good and I'm looking at guys like Gabe Beerman and Alex Franklin right now. And let's say Tommy Sommer comes back and he takes that Sunday start back. Then what do you do with Bierman and Franklin? Because I think you want to get them both on the mound. And how do you balance them all going forward? Because I think you're only going to have so many midweek games, and that's going to be the place where you can start those two guys. I definitely think that at some point you're going to have to look at the, the bullpen. I mean, there's a lot of guys in there. you got Connor Manis, Grant Sloan, Cal Kruger. And then if you throw Sal Frank, Bierman, and Franklin into the mix along with Matt Lloyd at the back end, you got like seven guys you can go to, which is going to be nice come the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA regionals, how they get there. But when you're in the regular season, you want to get guys in set roles because you want them feeling kind of comfortable. You want 
uh, even like a Cam Beauchamp, we haven't even talked much about him. You got Cal Kruger. You want He's him? Played. <laughs> yeah, you want him maybe in the eighth in eighth inning, but you don't want to have to start bringing him in the sixth inning. That changes their guys' mindset. So you want to have set roles, but when you have so much talent, it's hard to put set roles out there. So I think that's part of the problem that Jeff Mercer has right now. He's trying to figure out where to put people because he got midweek games to start, but you also have injuries at the top line with Sumner. So now you move Sal Frank up, and you're putting Beerman as that main midweek starter. Now you're starting to figure out, a whole, trying to figure out a whole bunch of different things. That's it's pretty hard to figure out. And that's not a bad problem to have. I mean, no, it's it, definitely a good one. I mean, I'm just I just was counting, and again, my math skills are far from great, but I think I can count uh, one by one here. Um, they have thrown 15 different pitchers this season. That is, I mean, now granted, some of them like you know Matt Lick. Matt Litwicky is, you know, not throwing that many innings. Uh, Brad Busola pitch, has pitched one inning. Uh, Braden Tucker's pitched three and a third. Three and two thirds, excuse me. Um, so you have guys that are maybe, you know, you know, they're there. You always can go to the back end of the bullpen and get to these guys. I think using someone like an Alex Franklin or a Gabe Beerman out of the bullpen in specific situations might not be a bad option because I think maybe, you know, uh, Mercer gets to a point where he says, okay, well, um, you know, Franklin, let's just say for the time being, becomes your midweek guy, and and then Beerman goes to the bullpen or vice versa. However, uh, Mercer just this this decides to go there, but having the ability to do that, or you know, if someone gets hurt, you have these two freshman starters that have gotten experience already and are good and can you know can get out at a Division One level. You have them ready to go if you need them, especially because, I mean. Let's be totally honest. I love Andrew Solfrank, but he's mildly consistent. Yeah, um, yeah is, is he a guy you can trust in that Sunday spot? I don't know. And if you get to the point where Tommy Summers is going to be out for a while, or if he comes back and he struggles, do you put one of the freshmen into the sp- in, into that Sunday spot? You might have to, and I don't think that's a bad thing either. I mean, that's the case for. I think there's more the case we were thinking with hitting coming into the season that depth was going to be a good problem to have. But it actually, I would say right now, pitching is more of where the depth has been a, a good problem to have because hitting has been, I think, largely inconsistent. I mean, Canisius was completely out of nowhere with the offense, and who knows if that's going to continue going forward. But the pitching generally has been around the same throughout the season, I would say. And yeah, you look at this, you got like eight guys, if I counted right, that are freshman or sophomore that have made – multiple appearances this yeah. year. You got a guy like Connor Manis, sophomore, has pitched in nine games this year and has a 3.7 ERA. Yeah. He's been their most solid reliever, I think, in my opinion. I mean, you got Grant Sloan, Count Kruger, and Connor Manis have all appeared in seven-plus games this season. So, yeah, you got a lot of people out there that, that can go into the inning and that Mercer has confidence in. It's just a matter of finding what role fits them best, whether they're a long reliever, whether they're maybe a midweek guy, or maybe whether like a backline closer, backline eighth inning kind of guy setting up for Matt Lloyd. It's it's a matter of figuring that out, and that's what Big Ten play will start to show us. Yeah, I don't. I'd actually, I mean, honestly, argue that probably Cal Kruger might be the best guy out of the bullpen in terms of like a, a, a like a between role to like bridge from the starter to the closer. Um, yes, he was bad. To put it lightly, against Cincinnati, um, came back and had a solid outing against Canisius. Yeah, I mean, and even then, like that was one stain on Cal on Cal Kruger's resume. It killed his ERA, brought it up mm-hmm. to four to above four. But outside of that one game where he allowed four to Cincinnati in one inning, he allowed two he he allowed two runs in total in uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven other appearances. So I mean, he's. Uh, Mercer, one of the one of the quotes that's that stuck with me is 
before the season he said you know you got to have guys that you can that you can trust in the bullpen mm-hmm. and he seems to have a lot of that and if you put and if you end up putting some of these younger guys into roles in the bullpen you've got even you've got two three four five more guys you can trust back there yeah uh jeff mercer likes himself some connor manis oh too. yeah uh, that, he's gonna make 30 plus 35 plus appearances this year so we've talked pitching we've talked hitting up next iu will welcome iowa to town for the opening big 10 series I was nine and seven as of uh, when we're recording this podcast. They won two or three against the ranked Oklahoma team, but also dropped two or three to the University of Evansville. It's a little bit up and down there. Matt, what are your thoughts on how important this weekend is for IU to open up the Big Ten play? Um, I I would say it's mildly important. I don't want to say it's incredibly important because is Iowa the best team in this conference? No, but I think if you're Indiana, you would like to take two of three this weekend. Um, because I think you want to be able to show that, that what you did against Canisius was not a fluke. And I'm not saying put up 18 runs or put up, you know, whatever, yeah, we're not talking whatever they're on pace. Here. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not saying, you know, they should just go out and just flatten Iowa. But they got to, I would say, win two out of three and, hey, you know, get good pitching performances out of Paulie Milito. That's what you like to see every weekend. If he can set the tone on Friday, get you a win on Friday, then you can, you know— I don't want to say you can afford to drop a game because you, you never like to lose games, obviously. That's very cliche, but it's true. Um, but just having the opportunity to have Paulie Milton go out on Fridays and set the tone for the whole weekend is a, such a huge boost for this team. I mean, he every start he has is a quality start. He has some starts like Washington where he was absolutely Nearly brilliant. <laughs> um, I mean, it, doesn't, it, it can get better than Washington, but not much. Um, but then you get a case like Iowa is I don't. I mean, do we know if they're good or not? I mean, that's the thing because they, you know, you, you like they lost two of four to Hawaii, which is probably not a great team. Lost to George Mason, definitely not a great team. But then go down to Stillwater and take two or three from Oklahoma State. That's a really solid ball. Yeah, I mean, that's so it's 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 like Indiana almost in the sense that they have some really weird losses, but some really good wins. And I think for the same reason that we may know Indiana's got the potential to be good. I don't think Iowa had the same projections before the season, which is why I think it's hard to say, are they good or are they not good? So at that point, because we don't really know where they're going to be, I think you want to have those wins so that you can either say, oh, you have wins over a top team, or you didn't lose a series to a bad team. Yeah, I mean, uh, IU opened Big Ten play last year with a series in Iowa City, rain short and series they split uh, two games. I mean, this is just... You're starting Big Ten play. You're starting a whole new aspect of your season here. But at the same time, they've dropped those games against the Cincinnati. They, they've got to make those games up somewhere. And that starts by you, you get a conference win. And no matter, unless it's against like Northwestern, it's pretty much a solid. It's going to be yeah. a pretty much a solid win. So starting off by getting maybe two, maybe even three wins against Iowa, that starts to change the complexion of your season. Now you got a lot of confidence going. you got six or seven wins in a row there going, uh, you start to roll a little more. Uh, you start to get those bats start to feel a little bit hotter. Everything starts to go and fluctuate a little bit more, and then you're starting to, to get timely hits, timely at-bats, and you're starting to pitch well heading into the deeper end of the Big Ten play. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just just generally as uh, Austin Matricardi, who decided to make a cameo out in the window here as we're recording this, um, as we talked about um, on, on, on our podcast, not to plug the IUS TV podcast because this is the IDS, and as a uh, staff member of, of, of the IDS, you know what, while we're doing let's go advertise uh, Jared uh, Jared's baseball stories a bit just because I felt like it. Uh, the uh, Grant Richardson feature, go check that out on IDS.com. Uh, great stuff there. But uh, back on track here. Um, I mean, basically... I think Indiana's got to show where they are in the Big Ten right now because I think 
as I was saying with Austin on, on our other podcast is that, um, is that like generally, I think they have more losses than they should have had in non-conference play. And I'm not saying a case like they shouldn't have lost to Oregon State, but they have what eight losses right yeah. now. That's more than I thought they were going to have. I thought they were going to come out against against Memphis, Tennessee, and Butler, and Cincinnati those first, what, nine games, eight games? Yeah, I don't think we understood how good Tennessee actually yeah, was. Yeah, that's fair, but I still don't think – I mean, they should not have gotten swept by Tennessee. Like, Tennessee's not that – and not only got swept, but the way they got swept, they were just dominated in all three games. I mean, Tennessee took it to Indiana in a way that no other team has this season. Um, I would have liked to see Indiana not get swept in that series or at minimum play better than they did. Um, and there's just generally, a, I mean, at some point to make the NCAA field, you, because I don't think Indiana's going to win the Big Ten. I think Michigan at this point is going to be the team that ends up winning the conference because Minnesota has been, I mean, nothing short of a disappointment to this point in the they season. They have played a tough schedule, but yeah. you still have to win some. Yeah, of like those Minnesota games. has. They yeah. have top line pitching. That's the oh, thing. That's, yeah. I thought. For sure. I mean, they played Gonzaga. They played Oregon State. They played all these good teams. But I for sure thought that they'd win some of those games with guys yeah. like Patrick Fredrickson returning. Uh, they played Dallas. They won, won against Dallas Baptist. Um, they got swept against NC State. Swept in Seattle in the same tournament IU played in. Won yeah. two out of three against Long Beach State, which is pretty nice. A little series win. They opened Big Ten play here this weekend as well. But, yeah, IU's got to find their spot in the Big Ten, and they got to beat – if they want to compete for that top level spot, if they want to p- compete for an at large bid, they got to beat the teams that are right there around them. Right. And that starts with Iowa this weekend. Exactly. And to get an at large bid, I think there's also, as we've seen with basketball, the quantity of losses matters. And if you come into non conference play with eight losses like they have right now, which is not a bad number, I mean, Minnesota's 5 and 12 right now and still 104th in RPI, I mean, you can definitely still get in with the record that they have. They're not done by any means. I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying that. But you got to find a way to make up for some of the losses that you didn't think you were going to get. So maybe, you know, get one back to make up one of the Tennessee games where you probably should have lost two out of three in that series. Uh, make up the tennis, the uh, Cincinnati loss. You probably should have swept Memphis, so make up that loss. Um, so, I mean, you got to just look back, and you got to find a way to keep the quantity of losses low because that still matters. And I say that because I just don't think the Big Ten is all that great. Um, if you look at the Big Ten standings right now, there's Michigan at I think thirteen and four ish. Penn State's at thirteen and three, which I don't I don't buy Penn State for a second. I'm sorry on that one. I just I, I feel bad because Penn State hasn't been good for a while, but I am I'm, I'm just not buying the Nittany Lions yet. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. Yeah, Illinois's good. Um, and then Indiana's fourth in the conference at eleven and eight right now. And after that, I mean, there's a lot of teams that we don't know if they're good. I thought Purdue and Minnesota were both going to be good. They've really struggled. I think Purdue more so than Minnesota. Um, Minnesota's schedule has been top 50. Uh, Purdue is 84th in strength of schedule. They're 180th in RPI. They, For some reason, Purdue, to start their season, and I don't understand this for the life of me, um, they were swept by Southern Miss, then somehow took a game against Texas, which won a series against LSU, and then proceeded to come out against and get swept by Oral Roberts, and then lose a game to N- to New Jersey Tech. Yes, NJIT beat Purdue by six. Um, you know, so there's teams that we just don't know how good they are, and I think for that reason, I just got to m- find a way to keep the quantity of losses low because that's going to hurt their RPI really quickly. Yeah, I think before we, I mean, obviously you said we can't knock off IU yet. I mean, two years ago went nine nine and one in the mm-hmm. f- before conference play. 
and ended up making the regional. Uh, right. I mean, in, in 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 the same way that the Big Ten's not as if, if the Big Ten, as I think, is not that good, and I could obviously be very wrong there. I you could roll through this conference, and this won't even and this won't even be a topic of discussion in a month and a half. So I mean, you just never know. Yeah, it's it's definitely something to watch for, and uh, I think we'll see this weekend how good this Iowa team is and how good yeah. this IU team is. Yeah, for sure. I I think generally they're just they're they're very similar teams right now, and I'm kind of curious to see what separates who, yeah, the two. Exactly. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. Uh, Matt will be in Austin this weekend for the national swimming championships by myself. Uh, but I will be at Bart Kaufman Field all weekend for IU's three game set with Iowa. Make sure to follow both both of us on Twitter as well as my fellow beat reporter Stefan Kreishnik. Probably follow Stefan more than follow me. Yeah. Um, Unless you really want swimming news in your feed, which I mean. If you're listening to the IU Baseball Podcast, I'm not really sure if you're coming Cross for Cross content right here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, guys. And we look forward to being back next week uh, for more IU Baseball content. <laughs>